0: Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me this evening to 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12. you would please stand for the reign of God's Word if you're able to this evening. 1 Samuel chapter 12. I'll tell you what, it's been cold, but boy, I'll tell you what, when it hit that 30 degrees today, it felt like summertime. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Don't get used to it. It's going to change back. And then next week, it'll be back up. It's going to be a roller coaster the uh, next week or two, I think, you know, up and down temperatures, but uh, you know what? We need winter in the wintertime. The Lord knows what we need. A lot of times what uh, I share with people, we get to talk about the weather and they get all upset about it. I say, well, you know what? The Lord knows what we need. He really does. And so we need to trust Him in that. First Samuel chapter 12. Begin reading with me here in verse 20. It says, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet Turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. But if ye, will, uh, but if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. I'll tell you what, this portion of Scripture is rich, and there's so many different messages that could be preached out of this. But I want you to look back with me uh, this evening and take a thought out of of, uh, verse 23. It says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, The Sin of Prayerlessness. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this evening. And Lord, even as we preach on prayer tonight, Lord, we come to you in prayer asking that you'd meet with us. Lord, you've told us to do so. And Lord, it is amazing how often we take for granted and fail to pray as we should. Lord, I pray that tonight that you would challenge our hearts. Lord, in this new year, I pray that we would be a praying people. And Lord, I pray that you do a great and mighty work for your namesake, for your honor, for your glory. Speak to hearts tonight, Lord, draw us near to you. Lord, for anybody here who doesn't know Jesus Christ or Savior, Lord, I pray that even during this message, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would get a hold of their heart concerning their need of salvation so that they can have a home in heaven eternally. Life is short. And Lord, without Jesus Christ, they'll never make it to heaven. And so, Lord, I pray that you do with every heart. We thank you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the people, be it those unable to be here, those that are sick, Lord. Touch their bodies, those, Lord, who, Lord, are recovering from different ailments and stuff, Lord. Help them to continue to heal and do well. And we'll thank you we'll praise you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. We're looking at an event here that uh, where Israel was demanding of Samuel to go forth and to give them a king. They wanted a king. They'd seen all the other nations. Uh, uh, they had kings to lead them out to battle and to, to rule over them and so forth. And here Samuel is up in years. He's getting old. They know he's not going to be around very much longer. And so they're saying, you've been, you've been the judge over us and now we need you to appoint somebody. We need a king. We want a king over us. And that was not the will of God. That's not God's will. God's will for them was that he would be their king always and that they would always continually turn to him for, for their direction and allow him to rule and guide over them. But now they were asking for a, uh, a man to be their king instead of God. Well, Samuel, he rebukes them for it, but God says, wait a minute. He said, I want you to go ahead and I want you to appoint a king. And then he Goes on, he says, but I'm going to show them that I'm not happy with them. And so Samuel begins to speak to them there concerning the fact that the Lord's not, not uh, pleased with what, what, with what they're wanting here. And so uh, uh, he begins to pray. He prays for a rain to come. Now, you've got to say, well, preacher, we've been praying for rain, and that would be a great thing. you got to understand, this was harvest season. This was the dry time. This is a terrible time for them to have rain and they generally did not have any rain during his time. And so Samuel prays that God would bring the rain to show them that he is displeased with them. The Lord brings the thunder and the lightning and the rain to show that. And then you get down to verse 18 which we didn't read there. and says, So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servant, Unto the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. So I said, Wait a minute, pray for us. You prayed for this rain to come. Uh, we understand that we have sinned against God. And now they're begging him say, pray for us because we've added this sin unto us by asking for a king. And you drop down to our text there and verse 23 says, moreover, as for me, Samuel speaking, he says, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good in the right way. Sitting here tonight, most people, if I was to just out of the blue say something about, Oh, it's a sin not to pray. You might think, well, yeah, it's not a good thing, but is it really a sin? See, so, well, I pray. I pray with my meals. Have a little prayer maybe before I go to bed or when I get up in the morning. But do you really pray? Or are you just throwing words out there hoping that that's sufficient? Many times when we talk about prayer and we begin to say, well I need to pray, we're in a hurry. And we fly through that time of prayer real quickly so we can get to on to doing something else that we want to do. We know we're supposed to pray. And so we grab these words without thought and without heart and we say some words and we pray so we can get on with our day or get on with the next thing and if we say well that would be called prayerlessness because you're not really praying like you know with, with your heart and your mind and thinking upon the things of God well I understand that you know that's just one of those things and, and I need to work on that but how many of us have stopped and thought that that's sin to not pray as we should he said, well preacher that's just maybe we're just not, maybe we're just slacking that area, maybe we're just spiritually lazy in that area, or maybe it's you know the failure to pray, and it's not, it, how could that really be sin? Well, let me ask you tonight: is prayerlessness a sin or is it just a failure? Getting quiet in here. Is it a sin or is it just a failure? Sin consists of two types of actions. First, sin is the transgression of the law. First John chapter three verse four says, "Whosoever committeth sin, transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law." He said, "Well, preacher, we're not under the law; we're under grace. I know, but when you get into Scripture, you've got to understand that the Word of God is law." You go into the Psalm 119 and it's all, it's broke down into eight verses and every, every one of those eight verses is dealing with the word of God and calls it the law, calls it the commands, calls it different terminology, but it's talking completely about the word of God. So when we do that, which we, which the Bible says that we should not do, would you agree with me tonight that it's sin? Come on, shake them let me hear them rattle. Yes, it's sin. We know that. We understand that. For clarification, the law is not just the Ten Commandments, but the law is the whole counsel of God's Word that you're holding in your lap tonight. Not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament also. As God gives us His commands... To guide and direct our lives. So when we transgress against the, the word of God, is to, or the, the law of God, is to disobey the word of God, the Bible, to do that which is contrary to God's word. That's sin. You know, preacher, we, we know that. Okay. But secondly, sin can consist of failure to do what we know that we're supposed to do. To do that which is Right. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It may not be, you know, sometimes we only think about the sin of commission, of doing something. But there is also what we call the sin of omission. And that is the failure to do that which God wants us to do, that which God has commanded us to do has instructed us to do in our lives, that is also sin. One of the most common sins, you might say, of omission, of not doing what we should, could possibly be also the least felt like by Christians that it's sin, and that is the lack of prayer or prayerlessness. We kind of thumb over it we kind of go by it. We sometimes don't stop and realize that a life of, this failure to pray is, a, is perilousness, which is a sin. Notice again what Samuel says. God forbid that I should what? What's that word? Sin. sin. Against who? The Lord in ceasing to pray for you. He's saying, for me not to pray would be a sin. Prayerlessness. And yet we wonder today, why are our churches so weak? Why are our homes so weak? Why are our lives as Christians so weak? Much of it has to do with prayerlessness that we really don't stop and consider to be sin. You see, prayer is an obligation that is, a, that is laid upon every Christian. You see, well preacher, how, how do you get that? Luke chapter 18 verse 1 says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You have an obligation. I have an obligation. It's kind of funny. I was standing back there and was visiting with uh, uh, Dale. He said, I've got, got a story to tell you. And he started telling me about working on the back of, a, of truck and some lights. And he prayed about it. And the Lord helped him get those lights going. He's working. He said he went in the house and Kathy was trying to hook up a printer. And said he, she was throwing stuff all over the house. She was mad. She, no, 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 I'm kidding you. I, I know. You know what Kathy wasn't doing <laughs> that. He said, "Once you get away from it and just pray about it. She did and come back and started working. He's talking about a, a pipe that was froze up. And he prayed about it. Went out there and he said it usually takes two, what, two hours or something like that to get that thing to run again when it freezes up. Ralph back, that thing popped loose and started running. He said he almost died it and told her to make sure there was some water running through it so to make sure they <laughs> And that's the way we are, though. I, and I, I, I'll be the first one to say, I pray about it, and God shows it and does it and everything, and I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, is this really fixed? Is this really what, you know. And then I shared with him today, those bathrooms were froze up, the water. I went out there this morning. I thought, well, it's going to warm up there. I'm going to see if I can get this thing thawed out. Begin began to look at what we had. We had it fixed. took the top off of it. We still had, it was just packed full of, of insulation. We had a heat tape on it. And, and I thought, man, I don't know. I hope that's not in the wall. And I put the top back on it, left the screws up a little bit so I could take it back off. I thought it gets warmer next week or the next few days, I'm going to have to take this thing and tear it out of here. And I happened to look down, and there was a hole down underneath this thing. I know something been digging in there and dug it out around it or just washed out under it and the, gr- the ground had collapsed under it in that area. And I seen the water pipe. I thought, that's where it's at. Wind got to it probably and froze right there. So I thought, well, I'm not going to, we've got church tonight, I'm not going to tear into this thing because if I don't get some water, if I get into this mess and we got a problem, may not have water uh, for, for services tonight, so we'll just wait this out. And I've been praying all day, Lord, would you, would you just thaw that thing out and it not be cracked or anything? Would you just please do that? And I seen that out there and I'm thinking, oh. got ready to leave tonight. And I just thought, I'll go back in that bathroom and just turn the water on one more time. Went back in there, turned the water on, the water started running. And I looked over there and the stools had filled up first thing I did is run to the, wall, to the wall, sit my ear up against the wall, see if there's water running inside the wall. <laughs> so why'd you do that? Like everybody else, lack of faith, amen? <laughs> so what'd you do next? I run outside, see if it was spurting out all the place out there. Dry as a bone. God answers prayer. Sometimes we don't stop and realize that we pray about things God's serious about it, but we're not near as serious about it as we ought to be. The fact is we need to be praying people. God is a God of prayer. He answers prayer. He desires to do that, but many times one of the greatest things that we have, we neglect more than anything else. You see, we can't all preach, but we can all pray. We can't all go to the mission field, but we can all pray. We can't all drive a a, a church bus, but we can all pray. We can't all teach a Sunday school class, but we can all pray. We all can't play a piano or or a keyboard, but we can all pray. We can't all do all these different things, but we can all pray. You go back and you get and I've i got several books and I'm and I'm a reader. I like to read about the old re, revivals and the, the the tremendous moving of God in different places and the Hebrides and, and, and on goes the, the Great Awakening and different things of that nature. I love to read about those revivals and and seeing how God, but every one of them was was preceded by prayer. Seasons of prayer. Not just the older folks, but teenagers. Some of the great revivals that were ever brought into account started with teenagers praying for revival, and then some adults got involved. And God sent them moving in a powerful, powerful way. But could we stop a moment? Could I ask you something? How many of us prayed for revival even today? Prayerlessness is a sin. We can all pray in the privacy of our own homes, driving down the highway, in our offices, on the work line. We can all pray together in church as we worship the Lord. We're, we're promised the help of the Holy Spirit in, in this activity of prayer even. God's not just putting you out there on a limb and saying, I want you to go pray, and you're sitting there saying, I don't know what to pray. No, He, has done, he said, I'm going to help you pray. Amen. See, preacher, I never heard of that. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit of God will lead us and guide us in prayer if we'll get serious about prayer. For God to do great and mighty things that he might be magnified. And yet the, 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 we, we fail to pray and we fail to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to pray. Prayerliness is a sin because the cross of Christ is despised. Preacher, I don't despise the cross. One of the greatest privileges of being a Christian is that we have the right of access to God, to come into His presence. When's the last time you thought about that? Prayer is access into the presence of God. He paid a horrible, cruel price for you and me. That access came at a great price. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 37 says, And Jesus cried with a loud voice. And gave up the ghost. Before that, it would say that, that, he, that, that he said, it is finished. He cried with a loud voice and he gave up the ghost. And, and the Bible says in verse 38, he says, And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. You see, after man had sinned, man could no longer approach God into his presence. Before Adam had sinned, Adam walked with him, the Bible says, in the cool of the day, in his very presence. But after Adam had sinned and they was put out of the garden, there was, as it was, a veil that was put between a a, a man and God. You find in the temple, and, and many of you have started reading over your your Bibles, and you're in in in, in, uh, in, 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 in maybe you've moved up to Exodus or even up in into Leviticus, and you find about the veil of in the temple that separates between uh, the everyday use of the temple and the holy of holies. In the temple of God that was the tabernacle, but in the temple of God there was a the veil. The separated between the common court, you might say, and the Holy of Holies. And once a year, the high priest, only once a year, could the high priest go in and offer an atonement for sin in the Holy of Holies. And he was the only one that could come before God. But when Jesus died on the cross... He said, It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. That same veil in the temple, the Bible says, rent from the top to the bottom. It tore open. Well, preacher, because of an earthquake. No, it was because the blood of Jesus Christ made access Amen. into the presence of the Holy Father in heaven. what do you do? How do you make access into that? Through prayer. And to take prayer so lightly is to despise, you might say, or to take lightly what Jesus did on the cross to bring us back into the presence of God. By by making access through that veil. Jesus' blood made access through that veil for you and me that we could come to the Heavenly Father in prayer, that we could come into His presence. So often we fail to realize that that's what we're doing when we pray. This new relationship made possible by the infinite cost of Christ includes that privilege of prayer. Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 20 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Jesus Christ made a way into the presence of God. And that way for you and I is through prayer. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We now have a privilege to come into the presence of God by prayer. Yet we take lightly the price that was paid that we might have that access. When we fail to pray, when we fail to pray, we fail to make access that Jesus paid for on the cross of Calvary in shedding His blood. When we take lightly our prayer time, we're saying that that access is no big deal. When we don't put our hearts and our, our minds into praying, we're saying, it's no big deal. But you've got to understand, that access was made by the death of Jesus Christ as he shed his blood for you and me. The access through that veil. It is a privilege. You hear me? It is a privilege to pray. And yet we take it so lightly. It's a privilege. Prayer should be a normality in the Christian life. It should be normal for you and I to pray. You know, there's things that we do all the time that we don't even take a second thought about. You know, there's certain things in your daily life that you do without really taking a lot of thought about it because it's just part of your life. Prayer should be a part of our lives. We should take thought about it. But it should be so normal for us to pray. When Jesus was teaching the disciples to they asked about prayer he said this when thou prayest he didn't say if thou prayest he said when meaning he was expectant of Christians that would just be the normal thing for us to pray and to seek the Lord many times prayerlessness is, a, is thought of as just as I said before just a simple kind of slackness or spiritual laziness not, that does not really matter much but in reality prayerlessness is sin not only is it despises the, the cross but prayerlessness deprives the church scripture is clear that prayer does something I think everybody in this room would say, I I believe prayer does something. Or better put, I I would say that it enables God to do something that otherwise He would not do. Prayer enables. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. When we ask, that is enabling, that is asking God to get involved. You say, Well, preacher, isn't God going to get involved anyway? Maybe not, unless you ask him. Well, preacher, I just thought everything, you know, we wouldn't have to pray about this and pray about that. God wants us to. Even about frozen pipes and computers that don't want to come on and all kinds of things. He wants us to pray about all things. In fact, he says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is important to God and it should be important to us. Amen. But it is an enablement. We're asking God to intervene. Listen to me. We're asking God to intervene in our lives. We're asking God to enable. We're asking God to show his hand. We're asking God to be a part of our everyday life. It's not just about the big things. It's about all things. And so many times we don't realize that it's God wants us to call upon Him because He wants to show His mighty hand. And He wants us to know that He's there. And He wants us to know that He loves us. And he wants us to know that he hears us. And he wants us to know that he cares about all things in our lives. So when we fail to pray, God many times don't move. There are conditions that are placed on prayer in order for the Lord to answer prayer the psalmist said in Psalm 66:18, 18 if I regard iniquity in my heart the Lord will not hear me if we're, if we're going to live a sinful life and not get things right with God God's not going to answer prayer I'm going to say something here that a lot of people will probably try to argue with me about but you show me some scripture you have a lot of the lost world that says that God answers their prayer. Can I tell you something? He does not. Unless they're asking Him to save them. They may see some things taking place and they think God's answering their prayer, but God's doing is He's working concerning the prayers of others. They're His children. See, preachers don't seem right. I know it don't seem right. But if you're not going to receive him as your Savior, if you're not going to accept him as your Savior, if you're not going to, if you're not going to allow him to be your Lord, it would, he's not going to answer. Why? Because they're regarding iniquity in their heart and not trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so therefore it builds that wall where he will not answer. It's not that he can't, but that he won't. Unconfessed sin hinders prayer, which hinders the work of the church. James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, Ye ask and receive, not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. That would be prayers that are not the will of God because it's a prayer for our own selfish reasons, our own self-glory, or praying for something that is unacceptable to the Lord. So there are some requirements in our prayer. But let me say this, deadness in our prayer lives for our prayerlessness affects the work of the Lord in the church. When Christians don't pray, the churches are going to become weak. It will bring deadness into the church. And so what we need to do, we need to be praying Christians. The Word of God encourages us to pray and, and, and to pray confidently as a Christian, expecting God to do something. Jeremiah three three. you hear me quote it so often, call unto me and I will answer thee. He didn't say I might answer you. He said call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said I want you to pray. I want you to call upon me. And he said, when you call upon me, he said, I can show you that is enabling me, that has given me the opportunity to get involved in your life and involved into your situation, involved in your circumstances, involved in your church, involved in your family, involved in every part of you when you call upon me. But we deprive the Lord of doing those things that he wants to do when we don't pray. And that becomes sin. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it shall be given. You seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. The Lord wants the church to do great things, but He's also waiting on us to ask and to seek and to knock. We need to be praying for the lost. Every one of us should have people in our hearts and minds that we should be praying for daily for salvation. that they might be saved. Well, preacher, do you think that's going to make a, a difference? It makes all the difference in the world. When God begins to work, when God begins to move, it's because those who are praying is seeking Him to do so. We need to be praying for the lost world. There may be somebody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ their Savior. Without Jesus Christ, they have no hope. What we need to do is we need to ask God, Lord, would you intervene? Would you work in their hearts? Would you convict them? I've been working with a person for several months now. And and I've given them scripture and given them scripture. And here's what I understand. I cannot do it. I can only share with them what Lord lays on my heart. And so I ask the Holy Spirit to deal with their heart, to give them understanding, to draw them to the knowledge and conviction and to a place where they would desire Jesus Christ as their Savior. without that, nothing's going to happen. You see, we're weak in our own flesh. If somebody prays a prayer for salvation just because of me, they probably didn't get saved. The Holy Spirit of God's got to deal with their heart. They have to be drawn. And so we pray for the lost. Then without prayer, the cause of Christ can be defeated. If we don't pray, the cause of Christ can be defeated. We are in a spiritual battle. Every day Satan is attacking Every day there is, there's a battle going on in people's lives, and, and Satan wants to shut down the church, and he wants to stop Christians from being a witness, and he wants to stop you from living for the Lord. He wants to stop you from magnifying the Lord with your life. He doesn't want you to get involved in, in things that will bring honor and glory to the Lord. And there is a spiritual battle, a continual attack and warfare, and we've got to repel it. How do you do it? By prayer. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Jesus was talking to Peter here. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, Peter, listen, I'm going to build a church, I'm going to build it upon the rock. He said well, preacher, did he build it on Peter? No, He built it upon Jesus Christ himself. Peter means pebble. Jesus Christ is the rock, and the church is built on Jesus Christ, not Peter. But there is a battle. He said, "And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Otherwise, Satan is trying to destroy the church. And so there must be a battle plan to fend off the the attacks of Satan in your life, in my life, in the church so that we can see souls saved, so that we can see lives changed so we can see the Lord glorified. And prayer is a vital component in this battle against Satan and his attacks. If you was to go over to Ephesians chapter 6 we're very familiar with that. He says put on the whole armor of God he begins to list all the armor. He begins to talk about the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the, the having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, and your Lord's going about with truth. And, and then he gets down to about verse 18 there, and he says this. He says, And I say unto, also unto thee that... or I, I'm sorry, let me back up here. I, I, I'm praying always... Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer... And supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. He said, after you put on the whole armor, he tells him, he said, to stand. He says, I want you to do what? Pray. Pray. Why? You and I are no match for Satan. And that's why we need to pray. Because then we are involving the Lord in the battle. He said pray. Notice that we're to pray for one another. Perseverance. We're to pray for one another to be able to stand. Be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be able to take that shield and quench those fiery darts. Had that helmet of salvation on. Having that breastplate of righteousness, living for God in righteousness. Praying one for another. It says, supplication for all saints. Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse uh, 3 and 4, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do, we do not war after the flesh. For, our weapons, uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty... Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, how is it? It's through God. How do we get there? I'll take you back where we started access into the presence of a holy God. How do we get get into that access? It was through the blood of Jesus Christ. But how do we walk through there? in prayer. And for us to fail as Christians to pray earnestly, to pray fervently, to pray with our hearts as well as our minds is a terrible thing to not do that. We have a privilege to pray. And we have an opportunity to enter the presence of God when we pray. Prayerlessness is sin. When we're prayerless, the church will be in weakness. We need to be praying, a praying church in and out of these four walls, not just here, but when we leave this place, in our homes, in our vehicles, at work, wherever we're at, we are to be a praying people. We need to be praying continually. Let me read again, and I'm closing. Samuel said, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against who? The Lord. In ceasing to pray. Folks, 2024. Everything in your life and my life in this church will be dependent upon prayer. Everything. Souls being saved will be dependent upon prayer. Victory in your life over sin and struggles or whatever it might be, will be dependent upon prayer. See the church grow? Spiritually, numerically, will be dependent upon prayer. On goes the list, will be dependent upon prayer. Let us not be found in the sin of prayerlessness. But let us take serious the opportunity, the privilege to pray. I mean, about everything, about all things, and see the hand of God move. Let's bow. Lord, I thank you for loveness. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us access through the blood of Jesus Christ. We now have an advocate sitting at the right hand of the Father that we come to, and that is the Son. But we must come through prayer. Help us to realize tonight the importance of praying in this new year. To see great and mighty things which we never even thought was possible. And that Jesus Christ will be magnified because of it. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?